Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Potty on the Potty, a podcast about navigating young adulthood. I'm your host, Sam, and I'm going to share my quick disclaimer before we get started with today's episode. Potty on the Potty is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Podcasts and social media are not therapy or substitutes for medical advice. You can use these episodes as a way to learn and reflect. If you find yourself in a place where you're needing deeper support, I encourage you to seek out therapy. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of a mishmash of things. Um, I'm going to start out actually by making a little, making a couple comments on the last episode because as I expected, there were a couple of things that I missed or misspoke about. Um, so I want to just kind of clarify. And then we're going to dive into uh, some musings that I've had over the past few days. And I'm really just going to share all of them from my journal. Uh, I'm going to kind of put them out there. They're going to be very basic. Just things for you to keep in mind as you wrap up your week and head into your weekend. Um, and maybe we'll circle back. I'm sure we'll circle back at some point in a future episode. And then I'm going to share a little bit of a funny story. We're going to get back to our roots of, uh, you know, some potty humor towards the end. And um, yeah, we'll see where we'll see where this goes. But um, once again, sort of focusing on having a conversational format to this episode. Um, I liked how that went a couple episodes back. I think it was number seven. And then, as you know, last week's episode was how to find the right therapist for you, which was a little bit more formatted. So this week's going to be more flowy and conversational. And if you're new here, my name is Sam. I wake make I make weekly podcasts on striving for physical and mental well-being as young adults. So if you're into, into any of that, consider following and also checking out my Instagram page. It's samantha.j.curt, C-U-R-T, where, um, you know, I really do need to start, maybe I'll do that today, posting some interactive stories, kind of getting feedback from you guys um, on what topics really stand out to you and make you feel seen and heard and validated. Um, and then maybe what topics you're like, yeah, you know, that doesn't really apply to me. Um, and maybe come back to that later, Sam. So promise I will, I will get back to that. Um, all right. So first things first, talking about last week's episode. So if you listen to it, I'm hoping that you got the gist of my my ideas on how you can go about looking for a therapist based on what you're going through and what's out there. So the first thing that I noticed that I said, and, and if you're not a podcaster, um, I'll just let you know, it's kind of hard to edit a segment of speech when they're like in the middle of a sentence or in the middle of me saying something. So I just left it as is knowing that I would probably just circle back to it. So first thing 
is when I was talking about specifically DBT therapists, I was giving terminology, I was explaining what DBT means and skills-based therapy, things like that. And I interrupted myself, which I often do, to say, don't worry, your therapist is going to do most of this for you. And I wanted to just clarify that what I meant by that was that your therapist is going to explain what DBT means, what the skills you guys are using means, maybe if there's like homework assignments, um, that type of thing, just basically concepts to take home and skills to use when you're stressed, when you're going through something. And your therapist is going to do their part to explain what it all means, how it applies to you, how it's going to help hopefully that sort of thing. Because if it's a new concept to you, DBT, they're not going to just make you go out there and, and learn what it means and make you do your own research. Um, you, sh you certainly can. Um, but that's what that's the point I was trying to make. Um, just to clarify, I wasn't trying to say that your therapist is going to take the reins and, and, and make you grow, you know, because we're we're on their, this life journey for ourselves. We want to be reflecting and, and moving through life for ourselves and with the help of a therapist. I'm sure you guys all are very aware of that, but I just wanted to make, make it known that that's more what I meant. Okay. And then moving into the second thing that I noticed, I was talking about group therapy and I was talking about how Obviously, I love group therapy, and I think that um, it definitely has a place in most people's lives. And I was talking about how sometimes when we're struggling with specific things, and I gave the example of um, kind of learning social skills and having social anxiety type of type of issues um, or ex type of experiences. I don't like to use like a negative word, like an issue. All of us like have a little bit of social awkwardness time and again, a little bit of anxiety around socializing. Well, at least most people do. So my point is, I mentioned that if you're dealing with those specific issues, you might not be ready for group. What I meant to say was that you might not feel ready for group therapy. It is completely up to you. Do not listen to me when I said you might not be ready. I was not trying to give advice and saying, hey, you need to work on your own issues or you need to not have these specific experiences before you're ready for group. Not at all. If you feel like giving it a try, that is up to you. Um, and you can, you know, talk to your individual therapist about if it's a good, good idea, a good fit. Um, or you can talk to the potential therapist that has that group. And there's usually a screening process to make sure it's like a good match for you. If not, they'll give you a referral to a, a group that might be a better match. But I just wanted to clear that up that I really was saying, like, I, I would understand if you don't feel ready for group yet. I wasn't trying to say like, hey, these are the situations where you're not going to want to do group or you're not ready for a group type of setting. And then the last thing for now that I wanted to add is that if you do not have health insurance and you're looking for therapy, 
um, or perhaps you have health insurance and you're still waiting to meet your deductible, if you're in a situation where you really need affordable therapy, there is a option called Open Path Collective. And you can go on either Google or your website browser and type in Open Path Collective should be like .com. But that's their website name. And that's their company name. And they will match you with therapists that are willing to do pro bono work, or very, very sliding scale work. So you'll have a, a incredibly reduced rate. Um, it's something that me, I, as a therapist, am looking to get into. Um, but yeah, so that's another really good option um, for if you don't have health insurance or, like I said, you're trying to meet your deductible and so you're still paying um, high, you're still in the situation where a therapist is going to make you pay a lot of money, um, you can instead go into Open Path Collective and they will set you up with a therapist who has highly, highly reduced rates for you. All right. So like I said, I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to have more thoughts on all of that whole process. Um, so stay tuned. Um, there are also other great resources out there, other therapists on Instagram. Um, I'm sure TikTok that have a lot of thoughts and ideas about this. And then as always, you know, so many people see therapists. Ooh, so many people see therapists these days. So um you know, asking friends or peers or colleagues uh, if they recommend a therapist or how they found their therapist would be a great option too. All right, so moving along, moving right along today. Um, yeah, so this week I was kind of just like thinking about this space and the podcast and where I want to go from the last episode. Um, and I had a lot of ideas, so I'm just going to share my thoughts because I feel like many of these things are highly relatable and might help, might be good things to just keep in mind. Um, okay, so I've talked to a number of people who have said, because I've been asking around like, I've been asking around to people that are like in their late 20s and early 30s. Hey, like looking back at your young adult years or like before, whether you were like 18, 19, early 20s, what were the hardest things for you? Like what were the biggest lessons that you had to learn that caused like the most stress, I guess? And a number of times now I've heard people say friends and friendships, and so I wanted, wanted to touch on that today, and I know this is going to be a great topic going forward that we will talk about in a variety of ways, but it really does tie into the themes that we've talked about in the past of finding our authentic, our authentic selves and also learning to or like growing into ourselves and becoming more confident and trying to let go of insecurity, things like that. Because it all, I mean, yeah, it, it all ties together for sure. So something that is 
Wow. Um, something that I was going to say, something that uh, young adults learn, but I, I also know older adults that like either have never learned this or are still learning this. It's maybe a lifelong process, but um, just something to keep in mind is that we need to accept that not everyone is meant to be our friend and that is okay. So I'm kind of reading off my journal. So if it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I'm reading. Um, so, all right. So when we meet someone for the first time, a lot of us were raised to think that being highly social and getting along with everyone is going to take us far in life. For example, if you're going into business or sales or something like that, it's really helpful in your work life to be able to get along with all types of people. And that's definitely true. However, it is very helpful to keep in mind that in our personal lives, this does not need to be the case. Um, Because we're going to end up people pleasing and we're going to end up being a social chameleon and trying to fit ourselves into social social situations and relationships that just aren't a good fit for us. And I've I've gone through this where it's like I meet someone for the first time and I have this thought like oh this kind of feels weird like it's going to be kind of weird for me to have a friendship with this person and I'm already going there. I'm already like fantasizing about my future potential friendship with this person that like doesn't even need to be a friendship and that's okay like it's not like I hate the person it's just like I'm I've learned that some different people are going to be different things to me like certain people are just going to be an acquaintance or a colleague or my partner's friend you know what I mean like they don't all have to be close people and we don't have to fit ourselves and change our personality traits to be more agreeable to those people. And so when we're sitting in that moment of whether deciding whether or not this person is a is going to be our friend, we want to remember that it's not necessarily a reflection of us if the friendship doesn't work out, and rather a reflection of the dynamic between us And, you know, whether we have shared likes or dislikes, maybe we have very different temperaments. Again, that's okay. Like that is us working on self-acceptance of our authentic selves. If someone is very loud and boisterous and funny, we might accept them as someone in our lives that's loud and funny, but if we ourselves like feel uncomfortable not matching that energy all the time, we try to accept that about ourselves. It doesn't mean that we're not funny. (laughs) It just, yeah, it just means like you want to tap into like, how do I feel around this person? And I guess I also said that the more experience you have, the more confident and the more confident you become in life, the more authentic we can be, and the more we will naturally gravitate towards people that are good matches for us. 
So again, I know people who have a lot of experience with relationships, and yet this is not something that they really caught on to. Specifically, it's when we have experience with tapping into how we feel in these relationships and whether or not we are showing up in a way that we feel proud of, and that's our authentic self. The more we practice that, the more we will gravitate towards people that are good matches for us and that make us feel good and warm and comfortable and safe. And all of this practice is going to translate into romantic relationships as well. If that's something that you're interested in, uh, whether it's now or, or eventually, um, I definitely work with a lot of people who struggle to find like to to be in relationships with people that again make them feel comfortable and safe and they can trust or trying to figure out if they're even attracted to this person or if they are a good match for this person the more that we practice it in our platonic relationships and our family relationships and all that it will translate to romantic relationships as well so I've worked with people who talk about being the one that usually gets broken up with. And the more they practice this, I don't know how this is going to come across, but it's interesting to see that they're, they're more likely to be the one to define the relationship if that's appropriate. So I'm not saying that like it's a win or lose type of thing, like, oh, I want to be the one to break up with them. It, no, you we are realizing that we have more control over these situations, these social situations, defining a relationship, whether or not to stay in a relationship. We have just as much control and power over that as the other person. It's not like we have more. It's just that we are more likely to be part of that process. So like I said, I'm really just touching on these things and might we'll, we'll circle back to them at another point. But that was just one of my thoughts about friends. The other one is long-term friendships has come up in the sense of people being really upset when long-term or longer term, and I'll define that in a moment, friendships kind of fizzle out or people grow distant or grow apart or maybe there's like a friendship breakup. So friendships, I learned this when I was in undergrad um, as a psychology major. Apparently, long-term friendships are considered like three years long. So it's like the average or the average friendship, I think, is like three years, something like that. But Basically, that gives you a good idea. If you have a friendship that's longer than three years, like that, that person's like probably more like family, like a surrogate family member to you. And you consider them probably more than a friend in that sense. So also, my point is that it is natural for friendships to ebb and flow. It's natural for us to be close to someone and then like a little bit distant and then a little bit closer and a little bit distant based on a lot of factors. So one of them is time, definitely. Another of them is distance. So proximity is a huge factor in whether or not we're friends with someone because of ease, right? Of 
if somebody lives closer to me, I'm going to be able to meet up with them in person more often. Whereas if somebody lives far away, it's really hard to keep in touch. So if somebody is making an effort to keep in touch with you when you have moved or when they've moved, again, that says a lot. Maybe that person is more than a friend. Maybe they feel like a surrogate family member. But at the same time, if they're not keep making an effort to keep in touch with you, I would not take that personally, you know, um, you know, when we become adults, our life is so much more full uh, of responsibility, of different things that we're juggling than when we're younger. So we don't know exactly what's going on in other people's lives, whether they have like a stressful work environment, whether they've started dating, you know, X, Y, and Z. So we want to try not to take it personally and be too... um, you know, we're going to feel however we're going to feel. We might have to grieve um, if the friendship has become distant or if it has ended. But at the same time, like, it's kind of a natural process at times. It doesn't make it any less hard. I want to make that really clear. It doesn't make it any less hard. Um, and then the the third factor, so we've got distance and time the third factor is the fact that we when we grow like not even from teenagers to adults but like all the time we're growing and changing and evolving and our values are going to change based on our experiences and based on like if we know this is something I've been thinking about a lot if we've experienced something firsthand there's greater uh, chance that we have empathy for that type of situation. Whereas if we haven't experienced something firsthand, maybe we don't have the energy to have empathy for that situation necessarily, unless that's something that you're really, really, um, you you put a lot of importance on is, is having empathy across the board. But that's an example of the fact that like our values and interests change. So that is going to reflect in your relationships. So if all of a sudden we have new hobbies, we're going to have new friends in or people that we meet while we're doing those hobbies. And it's not like we can have 12 million friends. You know what I mean? Like some friends are going to phase out a little bit or we're going to become a little bit distant while we're starting these new friendships, things like that. And the same with values. You know, I know people that they're, maybe political views have shifted a little bit back and forth or whatever the case. And, and absolutely, that's something that um, is going to affect relationships. Because no matter how hard we try, those types of things do tend to come up in conversation with the people that we care about. So it's very natural when we grow and change and evolve, that the people around us are going to notice and vice versa. And it might affect our relationships a little bit. And so, again, I don't want to say that, like, the thoughts and feelings that come up around the changing relationships is not valid because it's going to happen. What I'm trying to say is that it's normal and it's, it's very, 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 very common. So hopefully it's helpful to keep in mind that that's very common. Maybe it's not, but 
just another thought that I had. And again, we can we can kind of circle back to it when I have more ideas or when you guys have more questions or um, if you guys have smarter ideas than me. I'm sure some of you do. All right. So I have quite a bit more <laughs> that I wrote down, but we're just I'm just going to do one more little topic um, before hopefully I'll have time to share my funny story um, or at least potty humor related story. I don't know if it's funny. It's just more of a PSA um, for today. I think that's going to I think we're going to do one more and then we will continue with the chit chat next week um, because I got to wrap this up. Um, well, speaking of next week, I have not decided yet, but there's a chance I'm going to take the week off. I know, very, very sad, um, but it is a holiday week. It's a shorter week, so I will have a little bit less time, um, but I haven't decided yet. So if if I do not get a, an episode out next week, um, here's your heads up. I apologize, but we will resume, resume the week after, but I will keep you all updated on my Instagram, so look out for that. All right, so the next topic I wrote about is the role that social media plays in the world. No, I'm kidding. The role that social media plays in coping with social anxiety. So if you haven't noticed, I use social anxiety as an example quite a lot. And it's because, you know what, we all have some awkwardness at times. I know I, <laughs> I'll just speak for myself. I identify as somewhat of an introvert and somewhat of a little bit of an awkward person once in a while. And the older I've gotten, the more I've accepted those things. And I just am really proud of who I am. And, and I just have no shame around those things. And I don't think anyone needs to have any shame around those things. Um, and feeling a little bit uncomfortable in big crowds and, and social settings that like I'm not, what's the word, I'm not prepared for. And I definitely have a lot of ways of coping through that. And I continue to learn more about it. But I just figured I'd share that with you in case it seemed like a big coincidence that, you know, I'm talking about being shy or being having social anxiety all the time. Um, but yeah. Uh, so social media, some of us stalk people's pages or quote unquote stalk. It's not really stalking, right? We put our, we put information on social media, uh, knowingly so that other people can learn about us. So I use that word stalk just in the way that other people use the word stalk when it comes to, um, social media. But some of us do that and look at other people's pages as a way of getting to know someone. And this might be a way of practicing self-protection. For example, if I see something that I don't like or I don't agree with, I won't get too close to that person. And so I don't know if anybody else feels that way or does that, or I don't even know how healthy that is. But it's something that a lot of us do. And number one, I, 
you know what? I wrote in my journal, I do think this is normal. So I'm going to stick with that. I think that this is normal and I don't think that it's creepy once again. Because like I said, people are putting things out there on social media either publicly or they've accepted you to follow them. So it's purposely out there for you to look at. Number two, keep in mind that their page usually is only what they're proud of. So they're posting things that they want you to see and usually things that in their mind are positive. So it's not going to it's not going to give a full picture of who this person is. So I guess don't judge a book by its cover. That's I guess what I was talking about when I said I, I don't know how how great of a technique it is in terms of like self-protection or or whatever, but um yeah, I think it's really really common for people to use it that way. Uh but just just obviously keep in mind that the, that people aren't going to put the things that they find flaws about themselves or like that they're ashamed of or whatever. Uh, perhaps we're going to meet them and get to know them and love them so much that we love their flaws and we, uh, you know, love actually love the things that they feel ashamed of, blah, 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 blah. That's definitely a possibility. So again, another, another way that this isn't like the best way to deal with um, social anxiety my main tip, number three, is I recommend putting a time limit on this type of uh, investigating so as to not spiral or obsess. So when we're looking at someone's page in an effort to get to know them, um, we, yeah, we don't want to become obsessy about it and, and there's probably a lot on their page depending upon how active they are on social media and we can get lost in time we can spend a lot of time on their page um and then again you know like finding certain things and then making guesses about what it means and all of that stuff and become become a lot so like i said i think it's normal i think most of us do it but at the same time just keep in mind that it's sort of a limited way of getting to know someone for sure. And then also we don't want to like get sucked into social media in that way. So yeah, I mean, I just, I figured I would put that out there because it's something that I've learned and something that I know a lot of people are trying to learn. Um, if you're someone that takes a harm reduction approach to social media, because it's just so many people use it, you know, and it actually does have some benefits and some positive aspects to it. Um, I do know some people that are just completely off of social media, and I respect that as well. Um, but yeah, if you're somebody that is active on social media, um, we're slowly but surely and, and always over time trying to find ways to be quote-unquote healthy about social media consumption and uh, production I don't know content creation so I just figured I would share this thought again this is kind of like my journal these these are my ideas uh, so they may not apply to everyone's situation and you may disagree and that is totally fine I just figured I would get these ideas out there in case they are helpful to anyone. Um, like I said, going, finishing up your week and going into your weekend. So the story that I wanted to tell you that's, uh, I don't even know if it's funny. I've said it so many times that it's funny, but there is this 
there's this comedian on social media uh, that I that I follow um, because his content is a bit. Uh, I'm in the meantime trying to find my Instagram on my computer um, so I can get his handle right. His his content is uh, kind of offensive, uh, which I usually don't i'm not a fan of but it's also like sort of relatable and funny but anyways i'm gonna be sharing it with you if i can find it okay it is omfg it's rama so i don't know what that means but omfg i-t-s-r-a-m-a I know what OMFG means. I just meant I don't know what Rama is or whatever. So anyways, that's what I'm seeing on my screenshot. But so apparently he's a comedian and one of his reels was about was about a guy asking his wife if she's in the mood. And then the wife in this joke lets out a very long fart and he has a negative reaction to that as if to say, okay, he's no longer in the mood. And so I don't know. I hope you find that funny or not. Maybe it's offensive. Um, it actually could, I was a little bit offended when I, (laughs) I was a little bit offended when I first watched it, but then the more I watched it, I like started to laugh. But anyways, um, the point I'm trying to make is that in the comments, in the comments, um, a lot of, and we have to be careful about looking in the comments, of course, but I decided to click on the comments and a lot of women are uh, commenting that it is very unnecessary to pass gas in front of your partner and we're sharing how many years they've been married or in a relationship with their partner and not pass gas in front of them. And listen, to each their own to each their own and I don't know like I don't have strong opinions about this um because let's say like both you and your partner have this like spoken or unspoken agreement that you're both gonna go to the bathroom or go in another room to pass gas totally fine I understand that I don't know it's just if it's a situation where like the male like if it's a um straight relationship and it's a female and a male and then the male is passing gas in front of the uh female partner but then the female partner feels like she can't pass gas in front of the male partner because then it's going to be a turnoff that's where I'm like okay well let's kind of think about that and let's kind of reflect on that if you're in that situation because listen I feel strongly about this, as I've said since day one. We want to normalize normal bodily functions like pooping and farting and and burping. And yes, you want to respect like the people you're around, uh, their preferences to some degree and like take it into account. But at the same time, like if it's harming your body and like you're having pain, like I shared my gas pain story. Um, that was not on purpose. I was not holding in my fart on purpose. I just had not released it, I guess. Um, but if it's going to hurt you, if it's going to cause you such discomfort, you want to just, you know, is it really worth it? Is it worth having the six year 
streak of being married to someone and never passing gas in front of them. I don't know. Maybe it is. But just just think about it. Just give it some thought because I really don't care what my partner thinks. If I have to pass gas and I don't want to or cannot make it to the bathroom, you know, I am going to pass gas. Like, that's all I'm going to say about it, about myself. And who knows if that was even a funny story, but I just stumbled upon it and I said, let's get, let's get this podcast back to its roots. I've been thinking about how to get this podcast back to its potty roots and this was a little opportunity. So yeah, like I said, I'm not quite sure if there will be a, an episode out next week, but Hopefully there will be. And I am on Instagram at samantha.j.curt. I will be letting you know whether or not we have an episode next week. Um, I'm going to work on getting those interactive stories out to you guys so that you can let me know what topics you're interested in. As always, you can use my DMs to suggest topics and you know, ask questions, things like that. And if you're here and listening to this and made it this far through this podcast episode, which I think is going on like 40 minutes, I am so, so grateful. And I'm also proud of you as you should be for yourself, because if you're listening to today's episode, that means you're taking it upon yourself to learn and reflect and grow. All right, I'll catch you guys next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. (music) Thank <music> you.